Yo, it's your boy, buddy. You. I'm Draymond Green. Hey, y'all, this is John Cloud John. This is Clay Thompson of the Golden State Warriors. And you are logged in. Logged on. You're logged on to the 10th year seniors. Welcome to the 10th Year Seniors Podcast Network. This is Long Range Two Pointers. The NBA season is done, but we are not because, first of all, basketball is a 12-month-a-year sport, 365 days. Every day there's something going on with basketball, but for us, we are just going to use basketball as a launch pad to talk about whatever the hell we want to talk about. So the residual effect of the bubble being done is that you may not be seeing basketball, but you will listen to us talk basketball. Yes. Even if we're not talking about basketball while talking about basketball, it makes sense. If you think about it, Yeah, it, it really does. I mean, what do, you th- what do you think we do all the rest of the time when the games aren't going on? So anyway, by now everybody knows, like I'm not done talking about it, but the people that are not fans of LeBron James kind of yada yada over the coverage of him winning his fourth title with his third franchise, getting his fourth finals MVP. We know the story, but for a certain segment of America and for people that, well, don't actually follow or cover this, by the way, but a certain segment of America made a very big deal about the ratings of the NBA finals. It was a talking point on virtually every conservative right platform saying, if you try to preach this message of unity and if you speak out against the social injustice in America, you will automatically lose fans and they're trying to aim at the economic downfall of justice. <laughs> if, if that sounds strange, that's because it actually is. So what did you make of all the talk about the NBA and its ratings and the people that were using that as a political tool to try and sway the messaging? I mean, but you know, you know that was going to happen. I mean, but everything is down. Like, who watches TV? Do you watch TV? I literally never watch TV. Like, if I can't find it on Netflix or pirating it from someplace, what am I going to watch? <laughs> like, I do not watch TV. No, nobody watches TV anymore unless it's for live sports. And even then, we don't watch TV. And nobody watches. It's just a bunch of, uh, just a bunch of plug cutting, I guess. And, um, I mean, but that's to be expected. These are the same people who make fun of the NBA for being in bed with China when there are human rights violations happening in their own backyards that they kind of cheer on. You know what I mean? Like, they don't give a shit about any of this shit. There's always talking points and laughing at the other guys and a lot of lying. So it's interesting to see. It's amusing to see. But, I mean, you, you know what was happening. The, the weirdest thing to me about holding up China as the beacon of what America should aim to era- uh, eradicate all forms of human rights violations. I don't think the people that say that can tell you what those human rights violations are. I don't think they actually know what is happening in China. I think it's just become something to say. So you continue with that whataboutism where you actually don't have to talk about what's happening to black people in America or happening to black people anywhere for that matter. You can just point and say, what about China, right? So that was the favorite thing that the conservative right did and they did it a lot with lebron now i will be the first to admit lebron was not great on china he uh, shit he, the bed on china 
Yeah, no. When when the Daryl Morey situation came up, but he was he was put in a very tough spot, just like the entire NBA was. But I can say he fucked that up. But that does not mean that that can always be used as a tool to say this is why the NBA shouldn't do anything when it comes to speaking out for for Black Americans. But so let's also, take, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I wanted to send some since Colangelo got fired from the from the 76ers, right? When did we put more pressure on people in the NBA to, to watch what they say and to be careful about what they say and to watch themselves on Twitter than we did to the U.S. president? Like when, like when the fuck did that start off? You know why? Uh, and I'll tell you when it happened. When the NBA came, became better at controlling COVID-19 protocols in the White House. Yeah, fair point. So I guess that's what it is. And what's also funny is the people who these human human rights violations are being visited upon in China are ethnic Muslims. They're, they're like an ethnic group in China, the Uyghurs. The Uyghurs, they're ethnic yeah. Muslims. If those people move to the U, like if they if they decided to immigrate to the USA, those same people talking about them, about the human rights violations against them, would shit their pants like they, a bunch of muslims went to america like hell no Ted, uh, you think ted cruz you think ted cruz cares about the uyghurs think about that <laughs> a bunch of muslims in china and they <laughs> come on man okay so the actual numbers from the finals the lakers won in six and like i say storylines mean a lot like at baseball is going through it right now if they had dodgers yankees it would be much better than if they wind up with like I don't know, uh, Braves and, and Bra- Braves and Rays. Even the Astro would give them a good storyline, right? But storylines matter. So this entire season was built around Giannis coming for everything that LeBron has. And if not Giannis, then you have the Clippers Lakers for the Battle of LA. That's basically the storyline that the NBA infrastructure thought was going to play out from opening tip. Miami Heat came in and destroyed all of that. So. There wasn't really the intrigue from the casual fan, I would say. Like, Miami doesn't have any national superstars. If you don't watch basketball, you don't know anybody that was on that Heat roster. And I think that was one of the things that contributed. So over the course of the six-game series, 7.5 million viewers, a 51% decline over the same time last year. Now, now, like like we were saying before, before the pod... There were so many, you mentioned cord cutting, but so many factors that contributed to this. The fact that the NBA Finals is being completed in October and not June to when it is. The fact that because of the the pandemic, virtually every sport is going on at the same time. Every single one. So you got to pick and choose when you consume your sports. Like if before basketball, what was basketball going up against in June? Just the NHL usually? Because I know um, the Stanley Cup playoffs is, uh, finals is usually going on at the same time. But there's no real major player that the NBA playoffs will compete with. But now everyone's going at the same time. The NBA, the NHL, the MLB, uh, college football just started. Everyone is racing for the same set of eyes. And because of that, everyone's viewership is dropping. Yeah, for sure. Like this is this is very unusual, and to even to I feel like this is such an odd situation with this, all the sports going on at once, and with the historical pandemic. Like I don't know, I don't even know what the hell you compare this to. Like 
and it's it's really sad too because we've seen in the bubble some of the best basketball we've ever seen. Like I don't think, like I think if you put a bunch of guys from 1985 in the bubble, I don't think they can hoop like this. Like these dudes are playing great basketball, so I'm I'm not even sure what to make of it. The thing is, the people that use it as a, a political tool, they don't care about that aspect. Like, they don't care about the basketball being played. They don't actually care about the sport. They don't care about the people that view the sport. What they care about is using it to push their own narrative. Yeah. Yeah, and you could you see that in the comments, too, when people talk about, oh, you know, the sport is getting too political. And, you know, LeBron, you should stand up for the national anthem. And it's like... You don't watch it anyway. Like you would have never watched the shit. So what do you care? <laughs> we know what um, the demographic of most NBA viewers are, and that is the exact demographic that is cutting the cord. That is the exact demographic that would pro- more than likely. And this is another thing we didn't mention. I just thought about this. Most people consume if they're not going to the actual venue. A lot of people like to watch this stuff communally. So the fact that bars aren't open is a huge deal, I think, in terms of people who, going out to watch the games. Who would you say the NBA's target demographic is? Um, males, 18 to 34. I was going to say, I think it's guys like us. And you know, you know what made me come to that conclusion? You know, I think this is weird, but you know what, you know what made me come to that conclusion? What's that? When Pharrell performed at the at the All-Star game last year? Yeah, well, this has been, I think this is a point that Jason Fatlock has been making for a while, and he thinks it's a negative. Obviously, I would think it's a positive because he's a fat, stupid piece of shit. But he he talks about how the marriage of hip-hop and the NBA was one of the worst things to happen to the league. And I don't think he understands that that was just organic based on where your talent is coming from and who the people are that are good at basketball. Like that was going to happen. Yeah, no, I think their target demographic is guys like us. I mean, like oh, when, uh, when Pharrell performed, he performed all the NERD songs from like 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Yeah. Like Rockstar and that shit was like right up. I don't, I don't know how much you like NERD. I'm, um, I'm with it, Star Trek, uh, no the, whole really world, the whole world well, did. Like, they changed the sound of, not even just hip-hop, they changed the sound of everybody because everybody wanted that sound when when uh, Pharrell really hit the national stage like that. Yeah, but your son or, like, the guys that coached UB, they wouldn't fuck with any R.D. like that, but me and you would. Yeah. And you know why? Because we, we, you know, we're kind of young, uh, but we have money. We got money to spend. Like, I got... I got the NBA league pass on my computer. I don't have to use the shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, I spent 75 bucks. And, and I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, I don't think the NBA gives a shit about what some old racist white dude in Idaho thinks. Like, I think they're going for guys like us. Which is always LeBron's take. Like, if you're not a fan, you know, so what? I don't care. So, and not, not just the messaging of what was going on in the NBA, right? That was the... I would say that was just the beginning of things in the post-George Floyd era. But then you had everything that went on in Wisconsin and you had the Bucks leading the boycotted games that, or the work stoppage or whatever you want to call it that lasted what I think was two days, two days really. Yeah. But it was the first time I think our generation saw NBA players really flex that kind of muscle saying, 
we're just going to stop play, which I mean, that day is probably something I'll never forget that will live on in NBA Twitter infamy. And just in terms of when you talk about athletes and social justice, that is going to be mentioned. Oddly enough, we're recording on that anniversary of Tommy Smith and John Carlos doing the Black Power salute at the 68 Tokyo Olympics. But that that's something that's going to be remembered. And that's why the ratings are propped up as this talking point, because people are going to say, well, this made people turn away. Well, Tidge, I got the list of some of the other major sports in America and their ratings. And okay. I, I, I just want to know if, if that made, if the social justice warrior messaging of the NBA made people turn away, what made people turn away from the NHL? Because the Stanley Cup finals were down 61%. That's 10% more than the NBA ratings were down. So what was it about the NHL? Because no, if you, could, you, can't con, con, uh, you can't accuse the NHL of being woke in any way, shape, or form. And the thing with the NHL is, is it was already kind of niche. So it's not as mainstream as the NBA. So if you're watching the NHL last year, it's because you fucking like the NHL. So I don't understand it either. Yeah, and it's not like... The NHL did not lean into everything that was happening in the streets of America because they kind of just shrugged their shoulders at it and be like, not our, not our demo. <laughs> like, this doesn't affect yeah. us. We ain't, we ain't in it. But didn't, uh, didn't the police toss a chick off a balcony in Toronto around the same time while the shit was happening? Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, don't <laughs> let Toronto get there. <laughs> Please don't let Toronto get there. Keep, keep Americans out of Toronto. So let's so let's let's go to baseball then. Baseball probably the widest of all major American sports. Well, Fox drew 4.2 million viewers for Game One of the NLCS. That's the Braves and Dodgers, two of MLB's biggest franchises, down 31 percent from the ALCS last year. And I mean, if that's what Braves and Dodgers are doing, then you can guess that Rays and Astros aren't doing much better. They're averaging 1.8 million viewers. Now place all uh, down by 49% last year. So place all of this into context of the NBA being down 51% and everyone losing their fucking minds. So, I mean, that's, that just tells you right there that this is something that is across the board and has nothing to do, nothing to do with the politics that the NBA wants to portray. I have a, I have a question for you. Um, what is your opinion that, might be semi-related. When do you think the? I'm sorry, this this isn't related to what you're saying, but I, I just wanted to know what you thought about this. When do you think the transition came from Michael Jordan, Republicans wear shoes too? Just in context, I thought it was a totally cowardly thing to say after the documentary. When do you think the turning point was between that and an ESPN NBA commercial talking about how we stand up for each other in the streets? The t- <laughs> the turning point was you got to look at who's making the money and the power that they have. The, the turning point was a generation of well, I'll keep it with NBA players, right? A generation of players that know now that they're in complete control of this whole thing. Like one of the takeaways from the last dance for me was, well, these dudes don't realize their power because they're letting Reinsdorf and. Whatever, whatever the other Jerry was. I can't Krause. remember. Yeah, Krause. Jerry Krause. That's what, 
they're letting the Jerry's run them out of town and completely ruin everything that they have going on, but they don't realize that they're the ones with the powers, not the Jerry's. Well, this generation realizes that. So ESPN kind of has to change their messaging to fit with their target demo and to fit with the people that they partner with because the NBA is pretty much a partner of ESPN. I think I have a turning point. Because, I mean, the owners, they're all a bunch of racists. Like, you read the... Was it the Ringer who did the story about where owners yeah. donate their money? Yeah, they like oh, they have they have they have Black Lives Matter on the court, but are huge donators to Trump. Yeah, they're a bunch of racists too. But you know what I think the exact turning point was between Republicans buy shoes too and we we ride on the streets. When is it? The the Miami Heat photo, uh, 2012 or 2011. Uh, uh, yeah, I think that I think that's where everything changed. When they that's did where the that, bottom fell off. I think they did that, and it was controversial for some reason. I don't know, like how, how it's controversial. Uh, I don't know, but and everybody was like, "Wow, look at them! That's such a brave statement." And I think that was like a light bulb, like a light bulb moment. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of one that's. I'm trying to think of one that's even better than that. Or one that could even be on par. Well, I'll tell you what, though. What kind of don't shoot? Well, I think think what got it to this level to where it is now, because I look at everything post-2016 as kind of existing in a different universe. And I think when between Trump, Steph, and LeBron, they were going directly at each other. Like, there was a point where Trump was calling LeBron dumb and... Uh, the Warriors didn't want to go to the White House, so Trump had shit to say, and Steph was more or less like in the most Christian way possible. Fuck you. Steph Curry called him an ass. Yeah, all well, that that's as that's as mean as it gonna get. You're an and ass, then, darn it. And then this is uh, I think Ammo reminded me of this, but when um when Donald Trump said something about the Bahamians after Hurricane Dorian, yeah, Clay Thompson went right at his neck. Oh yeah, Clay Clay Thompson was not playing with that because I think they had that was right when the Thompson Foundation had a golf event and yeah. Clay just went straight into it. Like the golf event had nothing to do with that. He was like, President's a dick, like my family's from the Bahamas. He has no idea what the fuck he's talking about. But Clay Thompson would do that if it was nineteen forty five, Clay Thompson would do that. He'd just get rich. Fuck it. Oh, Speak, speak, speaking of Clay, uh, I, I don't know why this made me so happy, but I saw that he got a Nerf endorsement. And they just had yes. him. He was, he was in his living room, sunglasses on, opening the Nerf gun. And just that, that, was, that was Clay wildly amused, but not moving at all because the sunglasses were on for whatever reason. And everything about it was just great. Like, I, I'm so happy. I want to buy Nerf guns now. I love him. I hope. I hope the Warriors like personally. Like, I mean, I mean, he, he, we're probably not here if not for him. And I hope. I hope the Warriors come back soon. Like, I love Clay. Oh, that's happening. Like, I need them. The league needs them. Everybody needs them, except for Trump, if he repeats in the White House. Because that means when? When is the next time an NBA team would actually even go to the White House if he wins again? Because none of them did during this this administration, right? What? I'm trying to think what team would go to the White House. There's Utah no NBA, There's no, 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 hell no. Because Donovan if, Mitchell, hell no. Yeah, I was about to say, if Utah wins, then that me and Donovan Mitchell had 
the most incredible playoff run ever and has vaulted to the point where he's a superstar and Donovan Mitchell ain't going to no damn White House. Would they go like like Tyler Hero? I think somebody asked Tyler Hero, why do you have Black Lives Matter on your jersey? And he was like What you mean? Because because Black Lives Matter. <laughs> listen, if there's one listen, I I am more certain that Tyler Hero wouldn't go that I'm certain that Jimmy Butler wouldn't go. Like Udonis Haslam would go before Tyler Hero. I feel like Udonis Haslam is like elder statesman, like respectable older black man. Well, like, like, well, you know, we need to we need to go to get our grievances heard because if, if we can't talk to the president, you know what I mean? Who will? Like on some ice cube shit. On some ice cube shit, right? I can find yeah. a reason. I can find a reason why anybody in the Heat organization would go before I can find one that Tyler Hero would. There's no way that Tyler Hero would go to the White House. And he believes it so strongly himself. Like, there was, the me- there was the meme that was going around or people were tweeting saying uh, Tyler Hero got up in the heat. Uh, he got up in a heat meeting and said, we as brothers need to stick together. And everyone was like, shut up, Tyler. Like, I, I feel like Bomani, that could be real. I think Bomani, Bomani, he told a joke and he was like, Tyler... He wanted to get a jersey that said "Love Us," and the black dude was like, "I don't, I don't think you should do that." that way. <laughs> yeah, like, but yeah. So, okay. So here's my question, right? And this is one of the, this is the major thing I think we came here. Oh shit, we didn't even get to the NFL ratings. Anyway, NFL ratings also down, but let's look at this specifically, um, just from last week. Let's see. Okay, so just. Got- just like the just like the NBA NFL ratings down seventeen percent. We know NFL the NFL is the big money maker, right? Like it's double, maybe triple any other major sport. Okay, so down seventeen percent on Thursday nights, twenty three percent on Monday nights, and I think all of that. There's a lot of there's a lot of reasons why that's happening as well because people don't really know what the schedule is at this point. I think Yo, the NFL is being think- kicked around so much by the pandemic, but we don't know. So, Mike, my, my question with all of that, I think it's clear to see that everyone's ratings are taking a hit for whatever reason, whether it's the election, whether it's COVID nineteen, whether it's too many sports options at once. The one thing that's been almost uniform is that athletes are finding their voice and are refused well most by the way are finding their voice and refusing to just go along with the program and if it's one thing that racists hate is when minorities aren't going along with the program so if you're a racist and you're looking around the sporting landscape of america and everyone's telling you it's time to embrace unity which is something as a racist you're vehemently against where do you turn as a sports fan what, where do the racist sports fans go? Hold on, before we go to remember when uh, the Texans and the Chiefs and they did like a unity group hug. Oh, which yeah. is like, which is like way less offensive than like, please stop shooting us in the face, and the, the white people booed us. Yeah, like listen, the entire the entire premise of everything that happened with Colin Kaepernick was. We are upset that you are upset at being murdered in the street, so you can't work like, again. Like, they get really upset when you don't want to be murdered in the street. 
how dare you not want to get shot in your face by a cop? Yeah, like, yeah, it's it's kind of weird that you don't want to do that. Like, what's what's your deal? So, wh- where does the racist sports fan go? Like, do you do you continue to try to hold on to football? Because let's look at why football may be problematic for them, right? And this is something we're going to get into later. But the last MVP, black guy, your Super Bowl MVP, your Super, uh, yeah, sorry, not just black guy black quarterback because you're right that does make a difference and he's not like a russell wilson zach prescott say the right thing kind of black quarterback no 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 no. he is a nigga from he went to high school with kodak black and he acts in kodak blackish kind of ways like he's not he's not cold switching you 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 follow lamar on social media yes ain't nothing changed ain't nothing changed but the zip code where you stay like literally nothing else changed. Same. He posts just like so many niggas I know, like right here. It's the same. <laughs> it's the same aesthetic, dog. The same. No, thing. like I hang out like where he comes from. He's from Boynton Beach, and it's just like a Haitian slash Bahamian, yeah, like corridor of Florida, and that's where 100... he's from. He's like, and oh my, I love him. Like I hope he never changes. I hope he. I hope he wins like 10 Super Bowls and never changes. I need the face of the league to have that hair. It's very important to me. I said that last year and I was so happy he won MVP. But so you have you have your reigning MVP, black guy, your Super Bowl MVP, transcendent talent in the game who signed a gaudy, ridiculous contract where people just like to recite the numbers, black guy. Um, he surprised me. He surprised me, actually. How's that? He's from White House, Texas, which is a suburb of Tyler, Texas, where I went to school. White House is, as you would imagine, is like the whitest little suburb. It's like uh, it's like the neighborhood. I don't think the name's oh. ironic. Like I, when I hear White House, Texas, I think of that as quite literal. It's not. My coach lived there. Like um, it's like the neighborhood from um, what's the name of that animated show from King of the Hill? Like it's like that same ass neighborhood. Ah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And, and he came out firmly on the fuck the police, Black Lives Matter, protect black women at all costs oh, side yeah, of yeah, things. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know he kicked. Like, I, I know some people from Texas. They don't. Some dudes from Texas don't kick it in that way. And I thought I didn't think he kicked it like that, but he, he does. Like that's surprising. And then somebody said well, his dad was a black major league baseball player in the nineties. So yeah. And so that makes sense. But uh, I didn't I didn't know he was like that. You know, uh, funny that you would say that, because when that was happening, like when when the NFL players dropped that that video and Mahomes was in it. And that's when everybody knew it was serious, because I was like, oh, shit, face of the league is in this. A friend of mine was like, he's got to have a really militant minded black woman that he's in bed with every night. And then I oh, said, this- and then I said, nah, he's got a white girl. And they were just floored by that. So, cause like they couldn't put all of it together, like where he's from, who, he, like you just mentioned where he's from. They couldn't put it together. Like, wow, he, he's where really he's from. Is, and don't track with me. Like as somebody who's lived there, it doesn't track with me at all where he's from. And then his girlfriend, like it don't, cause he, it ain't even like, he got like a big booty white girl. He got like a, like a yeah. skinny, you know what I mean? <laughs> like I don't, I don't think she got too much black friends. Like I, 
<laughs> Tyler is very it's very segregated, and he didn't live on the black side of Tyler. I feel like, like her her black friends all have the last name Mahomes. I'm sure. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Reckless is speculation, but that's that's what it is. So, yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea where they go from there. So, it, what is what is your best guess at what will be the number one sport for the racist sports fan? MMA all day. Oh. There's all a day very because... there's a very strong case for MMA. I'm gonna go ahead and let you make it. Well, they have an owner who loves Donald Trump, and they traffic in racism. And in fighting sports, that tends to happen. Well, they they have guys who can, I guess, make jokes about the racist stereotypes and try to and try to really bring it to the forefront. Where in other sports, you can't do that. Like, you can't do that shit in basketball. Um, in football, the racism is more implicit and systematic. But like, but JJ Watt, like. <laughs> JJ Watt won't go at a press conference and talk about somebody uh, being a monkey or, or having smoke signals or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? You can't call somebody a spare chucker. Like, you'd be out of the league. So you, you can't do that in those sports, but you could do it in MMA. And people love it. And where I think um, where I think it probably falls short is there's a lot of gatekeeping in MMA, but there's a lot of racism in MMA. Like, it, it fuels it. Hello? Yeah. Yeah, no, I I'm completely on on board with that. And MMA is uh, I don't think MMA is number one. I do think they will gravitate to it, and for all the reasons that you mentioned, it's an easy fix. And they have the actual figures at the top of it, not just Dana White, but you have the actual fighters that are doing this stuff. Like you can say, well, I'm a Colby Covington fan. Like this this nigga regularly kicks it with Donald Trump now. So does Jorge Masvidal, by the way. As so I say, got, even Jorge Masvidal, who I'm completely out on. Like, yeah, we're done with him. Fuck him now. Like, I don't like... You You people come from Cuba, where um, Fidel Castro, they escaped Fidel Castro and his jackbooted band of thugs. And you go to Miami, and you see police tear gas and people and beat him over the head. And you identify with the police? Yeah, because Tage, they look at... You got to remember their demographic. They look at the power structure in Miami as the thing that saved them from communism. They have a privilege over Haitians and that spreads to just having a privilege over black people in Florida that puts them on the side of the oppressors rather than the oppressed, if that makes sense. I mean, because I don't want to get they in my don't see they don't see themselves as a part of that struggle. I don't want to get on the history bag here, but a big part of the Cuban the Cuban Revolution was it was racially driven. Yeah, absolutely. And Fidel Castro was about kind of black equality. I mean, he was an asshole, but that was a part of his, I guess, manifesto. When a lot of the people he went after, he went after because they were racist. I mean, he went after a lot of people who didn't deserve it too. So I could see I could see people in Miami not being being really with that. And when he took over, he did help. Um, he did help the civil rights movement and he did help the anti-apartheid movement in South Africa. So I could see someone in Miami not being with it, but fuck Jorge Masvidal. Like, you, you see police beating people over the head and you say, you know what? You know what, cops? I feel you. Beat, beat that dude over his head. Like, why really why would he Kimbo, protest? I wish Kimbo Slice was still here to see this bullshit. But anyway, so here's the reasons why I think MMA can't vault to number one in America. America loves the idea of team. Like individual athletes do well, but team sports in America are something different that 
are always going to be the money maker. Like not since when when was boxing last number one? Like maybe like the fifties, fifties, six fifties, sixties, the late seventies. Yeah, oh, yeah, 70s. yeah. I would say I would say their run ended at the seventies, and then the NFL, NBA, and the MLB was so strong at that point. But I would say seventies peak Ali is when boxing was number one. Well, that's a long ass time ago. So since then, for, for nearly half a century now, team sports have been the number one thing. How do you get people to rally behind guys like Colby Covington or behind guys like Rory Mospital? The, uh, the, the other reason is with individual sports, the history behind it is not there. Like you could be a random person in Kentucky, but you just knew your family was always UK fans or your family was always Louisville fans. And that, that like kind of identifies you as who you are. Like you don't have that same connection in an individual sports because the turnover is so quick. Like somebody could have a five to seven year career, but that's different from my family has been rooting for this team for 50 to 70 years, you know? Well, when you say that, I mean, when you talk about boxing, like people who are really into boxing, they, they get into the history. They'll start talking about like Jack Johnson or like, you know what I mean? They'll start talking about him. Like, you know, Jack Johnson had a, had a mean right hook and that, that dude died a hundred years ago. Yeah. But, but then that's MMA. gone though. Yeah. But MMA that's gone. That's gone. Yeah. So, so even when that, like we could talk about, I, I was having a conversation about how good Brandon Roy was the other day, right? As quick as his career was, that could be someone who's really legit in MMA, but then they don't have that superstar kind of elevation that pulls in casual fans. Cause let's face it, to be the biggest, you can't just be like, you just mentioned about the gatekeepers. It can't be the gatekeepers to your sport that make you the largest. You become the largest thing when you have fringe people that don't know anything, but they know the names of your guys. The MMA hasn't had that since who Ronda Rousey, Conor McGregor, I guess, maybe. Yeah, I guess. And then he, I guess the thing you might be right. And the thing that might be limiting the MMA is just the money because boxing yeah. might be a sport of the past, but, but Conor McGregor got the fuck out of MMA to fight Floyd Mayweather to get that boxing bag. You know what I mean? And it's, it's because of the kind of thing that Dana White never likes to talk about is how much the fighters are being paid. Like, we could like the, the minute Pat Mahomes signed that contract, we knew exactly how much he was making. We, whenever there's a free agency in the NBA, we know what everyone's making. But when it comes to MMA, all we know is people fighting. Like we don't hear anything. We could find out exactly how much Floyd is making for each one of his pay-per-views in boxing, but we have no idea what these dudes in UFC are getting paid. And I'm, I mean, I'm, you're starting to win me over. I'm guessing. I think the main thing is money. Like you have Ronda Rousey leaving MMA to act and go to wrestling. You have Conor McGregor. He's not a boxer, but he's gonna box because he made more money off that one Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather fight than he ever made his career. Now, so that Which, might be a big thing. Yeah, admitting it. Here's another problem that they have: the black dudes are too good. <laughs> like for for yes, what to really excel in? Like Colby Covington could be this character, but. If he keeps getting his ass kicked from Usman, then what's it going to do? It's, it's only so long you can talk that shit. But then when you start, that that's the thing about combat sports. When you start losing, that's a precipitous fall. Like, there's nothing that could sustain you. I don't care how much you love Donald Trump. You lose two, three fights in a row. Don't nobody like, care about you. 
Like, who's the best fighter around? Like, Bones Jones? That's what I'm saying. Like, that's... If you ask people who the greatest MMA fighter is of all time, a lot of people are going to say Bones Jones. And this is somebody who you had to grant every concession to, even though it's obvious he had a drug problem. You had to keep him alive because he was the only thing sustaining your sport. And... Two drug tests since we started this podcast. <laughs> and if it's not him, a lot of people would say Anderson Silva's in there. So another black guy. Like, it's going like to be Cormier. tough. I think it's gonna, like it, in, the- in terms of wrestlers, yeah. He's in the discussion. But even – I know there are other guys in there. There's the whole Gracie family is in there. There's a lot of people in the discussion, but – if you take top five, people are always going to mention Anderson Silva and Bones Jones. If you talk about who's fighting now, it's still a lot of black guys at the forefront. So for the casual MMA fan, I don't know how that works. I mean, if you, I'm as casual as it gets when it comes to MMA. If you talk about it, if you bring it up, I think about Bones Jones, who might be the greatest fighter of all time, Anderson Silva, and then Cormier, who... Um, He's very. He's one of the greater fighters, and we can beat Bones Jones. But as a personality, he had a very persistent personality, and that's someone you would you would want to put in the front. And then I think about motherfuckers who left, like like uh, like Conor McGregor and Gina Carano and Ronda Rousey. So you might be right. There's people who left to get more money. Yeah. So I mean, M- MMA obviously the power structure they want to go after that demographic. Here's the thing. What if they're not concerned about being number one, but they just want to placate their base? Like, what if that's the plan? What I mean, if they're just sure. strictly, they're strictly going to, uh, they're strictly going to Trump rallies and just trying to get everyone in that crowd. It might be a heady play. Oh, uh, it was very short-sighted because, I mean, even now Trump's popularity is on the decline. Like, that's, I mean, it could get you money in 2018, but will that get you money in 2021? No. I mean, you know what shit, I mean? shit, I hope not. <laughs> I, I went out there and said no automatically because I said I want the answer to be, but really I'm just hoping that that's what the answer is because I, I mean, can't take much more. We got to the point where people aren't scared of Donald Trump tweets anymore. The reason why they banned Colin Kaepernick is because they were so scared of getting a tweet from Donald Trump, but to me and you, that sounded dumb at the time, but but that was a thing, and now, like, nobody gives a shit. <laughs> like, the NBA doesn't care. I think they care more about repairing their relationship with China than repairing their own relationship with the U.S. government at this point, and they're at the forefront of the whole COVID thing. They're, so, so, like, it's not, cause, because he's so unpopular, like, it doesn't matter anymore. So, this might be short-sighted by the MMA. You think they'd want to They'd want to get a bigger, they'd want to, you know, have a bigger tent. Okay, so let's go to another sport that a lot of people already assume is the number one sport of the racist sports fan, NASCAR. So even NASCAR's numbers are down. NASCAR's numbers are down. Do you blame this completely on Bubba Wallace or the fact that America basically said, you know what? Maybe not so much with the Confederate flags. Yeah, this I mean, one small concession. Who would think that people don't want to go to a crowded arena to watch cars drive around in a circle all day? I don't know. I thought that was cool. I'm you not gonna lie. Me, 
if this Bubba Wallace thing becomes a thing, though, we will do that. Like, make no mistake about it. You know what's crazy about Bubba Wallace? His real name is Daryl Wallace Jr. And Does not look biracial. like one of those. He's biracial, but his daddy white. So Daryl Sr. is white. He's white Daryl. Nice. Did you know that? No, I actually did not know. So for yeah, me, he, for me, he is always going to be Bubba Wallace in the same way I never call him Buddy Shivano. So it's like that kind of same thing where your your nickname is so strong that your real name does not exist to us. Like ain't nobody called. No. Although Doc Rivers said change, he he wants to be called Glenn now because there's only one no. Doc in Philly. No, nah, you Doc. Like, no, fuck this that. Is what it is. Yeah, this but, is what it no. is. So, so Bubba, Bubba is Bubba. I don't care about Bubba, but I just care about his daddy being White Daryl. Oh, like white. Sixty year. White yeah, Darryl. he's like sixty year old White Daryl, a white dude named Daryl from North Carolina. It was like sixty. <laughs> so, so the reason NASCAR obviously can't be number one is the reason that it hasn't been number one all this time. It's because it's fucking cars driving around in a circle. Yes, that too. It's a completely regional sport and the region that loves that sport. There are people that will be against it just because they don't want to be classed in that region. Like that's you, how that um, works. Were you shocked when you went to Kentucky about how popular it was? I was. I absolutely was. Like because I had I I I think I would say that I always had an advanced level of sports knowledge, so I knew nascar drivers like i knew how big the petty name was i obviously everyone knew jeff gordon at a certain point because he kind of transcended nascar but because you uh, uh people of our age when you watch espn so much you just become familiarized with the names without yeah, ever having like, to see yeah like you knew you knew who these Jimmy people Johnson were but, right, but, but I, you are absolutely right in the moment because there was a couple girls that i dated at the time and they would be wearing their hats like how walking around campus seeing dudes wearing 4X jerseys and it was the same energy. Like those two things were happening at once. And so it was it was always a weird juxtaposition. Like I'd have one friend sitting there in the triple X throwback Hawks jersey and then <laughs> the girl sitting next to me in the Jimmy Johnson hat. And it was like, all right, well, all the same thing. Everyone's, everyone's doing the same. Completely surprised at it. They have favorite drivers, just like just like we argue over Jordan and LeBron. They have the same kind of arguments. No, like when I was in Alabama, like people would ride around with like the eight eight on the on the bumper for Bernard Jr. And um, what's funny about this whole thing about um about the Confederate flag was Dale Earnhardt Jr. ten years ago was like y'all got to take these shits down. Ten years yeah, ago. Okay. He, because he's somebody, he's somebody in the sport that kind of he transcended NASCAR. I think for a while there, his his name was so popular you could see him like in a national ad, and it wouldn't be a weird thing. Or you could see him make a cameo appearance on some show, and it wouldn't be weird. And so when you experience all of that, and you also realize that I can make more money if I'm national and not regional. You kind of have to tell your sport, hey, y'all embarrassing me in front of these people. Like, well, it was personal yeah. to him. It was personal to him because he said his nanny was black. He grew up with a black nanny. And his dad. They hey, owned... Most of them people grew up with black nannies. <laughs> but they listened to their nanny. Like, but they listened to black... their nanny. He said, huh? 
I, I, I would argue that a large percentage of the wealthy in the South, those families, how many of those people do you think grew up with black nannies? But this is what differentiates the Earnhardts because she was like, what the fuck are y'all doing? And she explained like da-da-da-da-da. I think his, um, his sister told a story and she sat down and had a talk with Earnhardt Sr. And five minutes later, he was... He had a Confederate flag on his bumper, and she said five minutes later he was out there with a knife. Taking and it off. That, and that's how they kicked it. They, he said he really cared about that nanny. She's like a member of that family. And when she told him how she felt about it, he was, uh, the old man was done with it. And Earnhardt Jr., and that's why he was like, no, nah, y'all got to take these motherfuckers down. And that was 10 years ago, and it took Bubba Wallace. <laughs> yeah. So. So I don't know much and by much, I mean anything about who's good at NASCAR or how one becomes good at NASCAR, but I know that Bubba Wallace, I I know that Bubba Wallace ain't good enough yet to be that dude, but this is why NASCAR can't become number one because I mean, not just because nooses are hanging in garages in 2020 and it's obviously a regional sport, but they probably looking at Bubba Wallace as the person that's bringing all the bad company to their sport because Michael Jordan decided that he's going to be involved in this. So Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin teamed up to form a new NASCAR team for 2021, and they got one driver on this team so far. That's Bubba Wallace. Yo, these Bubba Wallace, Michael Jordan collabo was about to be fire this is what i'm saying like if it's one person that's about to chase this money it's michael jordan and if it's one person that's about to chase a rebranding of his social awareness for the black community it's 50 uh, it's 50 year old michael jordan or however old he is now 60 is he 60 i don't know but yeah i mean i mean with jordan like if he did this 10 years ago, it wouldn't shock me. You know why? Because he's a rich motherfucker from North Carolina. Like, but I need, him, I need him doing I need him doing rich nigga things that also helps his community. Like it's fine if that's what you're doing, but do things that help somebody. Like I, I like this move just because of that. Because this is a, this is strictly uh Jordan saying, I don't know anything about this stuff, but I know I'm rolling with the black driver. I that's the thing. I feel like he knows a lot more about it than you think. I feel like I feel like he's kind. Of, he grew up in North Carolina. I think I feel like he knows a lot about NASCAR. I feel like he's kind of into it, and he has a lot of money, and he has a lot of connections and pulling his state. I feel I I don't know. Like I I wouldn't be shocked if he was kind of into it, and he was looking into this for a while, and this is the perfect opportunity for him to step in and get into it. I, right, I mean, here's, here, I, here's how. Here's the thing why I don't think that he's into it because the way that his life has been covered and the way that we know he gambles, you know, he'd have been gambling on them cars, right? You think he wasn't? Like there would, there would have been some Jordan gambling on NASCAR stories like this Jordan gambling on everything else. You think he wasn't? I, I, I don't think it's any way, if there was a NASCAR connection, I don't think that stays out of the last dance. People would have brought it up, like, especially since Brad Doherty's in it and he's a North Carolina guy. That, like, that was, I don't know, I feel like at some point that would have seeped out. I mean, dog, that dude gambled on everything. Like, I, I wouldn't be, I mean, like, because 
think about all like the works of charity he did secretly to never and he never talked about it. He only just started talking about it because people started criticizing him about it. You don't think he gambled yeah. on some star? I mean, like, built- uh, I, I I think he put the Wilmington, North Carolina behind him a long time ago. I it was one thing I took from that documentary is that he didn't. Because <laughs> uh, because if you listen to him and Scotty Pippen talk, like behind closed doors, like before the press coming in, a training table drinking beers, like she this motherfucker finna go to triple club. Like that was a nigga from North Carolina and a nigga from Arkansas talking. And that was right. very apparent. And then when the cameras came out, well, you know, I had a good game and I feel like that and that. And then the cameras went away, and he's like, "Shit, you know the nigga had me do." Like, nah, I don't think he put the Wilmington North Carolina behind. Him. I just don't. Like, that's that's my takeaway from that documentary, actually. All right, that if anybody seen- takes anything away from this podcast, I want them to remember your interpretation of Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen speaking post game. Like that well, is I what I in, want. <laughs> I lived in Alabama for three years, so it resonated with me, and I'm sure if somebody I, went to college in Kentucky, it resonated with you too. Yes, and I understand that language, and I wish that you do the entirety of the next podcast with that accent. I I don't have the range. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so so MMA is a candidate. They have their platform set. You got MMA, you got NASCAR. Uh, up next on the prospective sport for the racist fan, college football. And I, I won't just say college sports because I think college football is unique and exists as an entity all on its own. I was wondering it's a completely why you different world in college basketball. I was wondering why you didn't bring this up. You went to college in Kentucky. I went to college in Alabama. Like we know it's college football. Yeah. We know it's the answer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And because it's perfect. It's like the perfect storm of racism. Yes, you got yes unpaid black labor. From the favorite labor in the South. The best labor, the unpaid I mean, black labor. Listen, the racist sports fan just chef kisses at the fact that this his favorite sport can be built and thrives on the back of unpaid black labor. It's literally how they got all of their generational wealth. Literally, and they're being oversaw, quote unquote, by wealthy yeah. white men and yes. they they lock black people out of those jobs they don't pay them they fight for them to not get paid even though it'd probably be in their best interest to pay them if you was nick saban if you was nick saban and you could go there, to, hold on hold on one more thing to that uh they're very disposable and there's a high turnover rate in the talent they're faceless so, so this all sounds a lot like something we've seen before. I don't know. It yeah. sounds very familiar. It sounds, yeah, it sounds, I don't know. I did history. It sounds like something, but I can't put my finger on it. But they're like faceless, anonymous black people who just work for the entertainment of these white people <laughs> and to enrich these institutions. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I'm just saying, if it sounds like anything familiar to a listener, then maybe you can infer some things. But that's what college football seems to be like right now. Maybe I don't, that, we live in SEC states. I don't know. Maybe we're biased. I don't know. Listen, uh, <laughs> you have so many people that are only fans of college football. This 
can actually be a place that they turn to because in a lot of these regional college towns, like the ones that we went to school in, that is all they have and they will live and die at that. Like people in Tuscaloosa, I don't assume that they are aware of any other sporting entity other than Alabama football. What's, what's weird to me, the thing is from, from what I understand about the people that I went to school with in Alabama, if you could pay a player, like if that was legal, I don't think they would be against it. No, I, no, any, nobody would. Like the only people that are actually against it are the people where if you're paying the players the money would come from them and it would cut into what they get. Those are actually the only people that don't believe in it. Listen, even the most Will Kane of a person understands that the payers should be getting played. They just won't argue it from a completely political perspective because your stance on that kind of is an indication to where you stand on everything else. It's a wedge issue that they just like to have a certain take on. Well, I mean, I've heard a lot of, I've seen in the comments a lot of like, they go to college, that's enough money. But like, as somebody who's been, I mean, you've been booting the ground in Kentucky, I've been booting the ground in Alabama. Like, if you could go to like, if Nick Saban could go to Julio Jones' house with a fucking briefcase, them niggas would go in. <laughs> They'd be like, yo, I got, I got 10 on it. Like, well, what's good? Let's get him. Of course they would. Tage, when uh, UK came over here for that exhibition against a couple of pro teams and they had tra- fans traveling and it's not cheap to go from Kentucky to the Bahamas, that was a bunch of 70, 80, 90 year old people. Like they will give money to these programs forever. They would be okay with it. Like if you made it a community thing, everybody with these towns like Lexington, these towns like Tuscaloosa, where the college sports team is the biggest thing, they would go all in with it. It was funny is I remember it was Spencer Hall and Bomani talking about it. And they were saying, these are people who like, if you told them that you would tax them the same money, and give them to people from those same neighborhoods, they would riot. Okay, so I think we have to make a decision. Where does the racist sports fan turn? Where can he enjoy his evening, afternoon, whenever he watches his racist sports? Where can he enjoy himself again and be completely away from these athletes masquerading as social justice warriors? Is it NASCAR? Is it MMA? Is it MLB? Or do they all just stay in the NFL and college football? I mean, I've, I'm, I, I've seen too much in my life. It's got to be college football. Like, it has to be. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I've seen too much. Like, but they play <laughs> so much black quarterbacks, stage. They play so much black quarterbacks, and that is a problem. No, it's not, because it's college football. You can tell them to shut the fuck up and play. Like you. That's true, because... <laughs> I will never forget one one major UK story that I'll never forget. And this this was said by some people that were just as big Kentucky basketball fans as I am, right? And his his dad said, this is a friend of mine, his dad said to him that they don't consider the black players on the team like they consider black players anywhere else on a black or a black person getting stopped in Lexington while he's driving. Because they said they may be niggers, but there are niggers. <laughs> Especially while the season's going on. You know what I mean? Like, so they look at them no they look at them no differently than they would look at Bucks on a plantation. Like, 
they okay as long as it's basketball season. They may be niggas, but they are niggas. So, Anybody ever call you like one of the smart ones when you were in Kentucky? I had I have been called articulate, and I had the phrase said to me, "You're not like them." Like when when someone learned I was from the Bahamas, there was a oh that oh that's why you're different. You're not like them kind of thing. I was like, wait, what? I think somebody tried to get in my study group for history, and it was like, oh yeah, you, you know, like you know those those niggas over there, and I'm like, what? The fuck? Like, I'm black. Yeah, but you're not yeah. like you know yeah. Like, you're, not, you're not like them, right? Like it's <laughs> almost like, as if to them it doesn't count if you're not black American. Like, no, like, I am. I am like them. <laughs> like, what are you okay. <laughs> I am so much more like them than you can imagine. Okay, like- so so you are sticking with college football. And while I, I admit while I admit that college football possibly may be the most racist, yes. I'm saying that racist I'm saying that racist is staying in the NFL. I think the racist sports fan is staying in the NFL. And here's why I think he stays. Even though the even though the percentage of black players in the NFL is pretty much equal to what there is in the NBA, nobody thinks of the NFL as a quote unquote black league. A part of it is because we just saw them blackball a very talented young player. One of their they just neutered one of their own talents just because he spoke up for a uniquely black issue, and also based on the fact. He took the controversial stance was you shouldn't don't shoot, shoot us. People yeah. In the face. yeah. Yeah. So that, that's one reason I think that they're going to stay because to them, they won that. They won that battle. Like irrespective of how much ever money Cap got paid or whatever, or whether history will remember him fondly, they won that because one, he couldn't play no more. Two, they never have to see him do it again. So that's yeah. a win to them. Another reason I think they stay in the NFL is just because it's too much money. It's too much money. What do you mean? Like for the for the players or it, I think the entire business of the NFL, even in terms of what people do from a Sunday to Sunday basis, there's so much money involved in it. Whether you're talking about fantasy football, not even talking about going to actual games. The NFL has become such a part of American culture that Sundays barely have anything to do with religion for America. Sundays are completely football. And that's what I meant about the routine of why a team sport will always get the advantage over something like MMA, because that's an entire day that people just strictly associate with the NFL. Like if you no other sport can have that, like that, that's something I think you can't even quantify. So even like, um, like I know with me personally, like I just I watch it because I like the NFL, but like I used to really like the Giants, and then I came to the conclusion. Why are you still to win that? I'm not. I would let me get there. I'm not doing that anymore because okay. I came to the conclusion that they don't give a fuck about what happens to their team. I got. I reached there when they um when they traded Odell Beckham, and then when they drafted yeah. Daniel Jones. I was like, these people do not give a shit what happens to the team. They don't care. They don't want to win. They don't have any pride in what they put on the field. So why should I care? So I am there. Most teams are ran in that same manner. Like the vast majority of teams, like except let's say the Patriots, 
and the Seahawks are basically right in that matter. So what do you think it would take for those people to be to get to where I'm at? Like, y'all don't give a fuck. Why should I? I don't think those people ever get there. I, yeah. I don't think they do. I don't think they I don't think they ever get there because look, they're gonna have something. And as much as they love Trump, I just think the NFL is at the point right now where they're not even going to let COVID stop this thing. Like <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't, it's hard to quantify how big the NFL is. And I was thinking of whether I could compare it to where baseball was from like the forties to the seventies, but this is probably bigger than baseball was then. Don't you think? I think the NFL is like a small country. <laughs> it's like a small economy, yeah. like, like Ireland. The NFL is Ireland. Island. So the the racist force sportsman, much to his dismay, is forced to sit through the next decade of Pat Mahomes and and Lamar, and Jackson, Lamar Jackson, like that, and Deshaun Watson, and they have to continue to see Russell Wilson. Like this is what happens to the racist sportsman unless Justin Herbert works out. Ah. Uh. What, like, like the un, uh, underrated thing uh, in the NFL for me is the Russell Wilson code switch. Like, that is great. Miss, wait. Like, wait. It, did he code switch or did he become someone completely different? Because to my knowledge, he is Mr. Unlimited. Mr. Unlimited. Did you hear the... I'm, um, I'm not saying it like that. Did you hear the mic? Did you hear Mike that put the Pro Bowl last time? No, no, I did not. What did he say? Oh, he was just like, all right, man. All right, yo, yo, look, look. All right, this is what we finna run. This is what we finna do right I, here. All right, let's get it. Uh, <laughs> you know? Tej, who, who is going to check him on that when they know that his wife is Serena? I mean, Ciara. Sierra. Who is going to check him on that when they know that his wife is Sierra? I have a theory about Russell Wilson. You want to hear it? You have many theories on Russell Wilson. But I think, Wilson, I think I know what this one is. Russell Wilson is a five foot nine third round draft pick who became a Super Bowl winning quarterback. The dude has the heart of a serial killer and you do not want to cross him. He might do that Mr. Unlimited, like like where like those Steve Carroll Nikes shit that he does. But I feel like if you if you cross him in a dark alley, he would ruin your shit completely. He's a quarterback that does a lot of curls. Like I think like I feel like it's gotta be a psychopath. No, I think like because somebody was saying something about future, and I was like, I don't think future really. I don't think future want that. No, 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 no absolutely not. Like, I future, don't like. Uh, future don't want that. Like I think like if like like if you sit down and have a talk with future, I think he did sit down and have a talk with him, and that shit was deaded. Listen, all these other people want that. Future himself has never wanted that because he, he understands. That dude is a fucking psycho. Like, he's a psycho. Like, I don't... Like... Future's probably reading the stuff people say on the internet and saying, y'all better not get me caught up. I have bodyguards. Like, I don't do any of this stuff. <laughs> like, that was back in the day when I was poor. That is not me now. Like, I don't rap about doing all these drugs and all this toxic masculinity. But that's about it. Russell Wilson was on a team with... um. What's the dude from Percy Harvin? And he was his quarterback. Percy Harvin yeah. listened to Russell Wilson. You know like, what? 
That seals it. That's that fact right there sealed the whole thing. Percy Harvin listened to Russell Wilson. That's it. Like, while we're on the t- was- while we're on the topic of quarterbacks, though, this is <laughs> this is something that okay. So full disclosure, Tage requested this challenge because he said we are so socially conditioned to just know so much about the white quarterbacks that we will know where they're from without even thinking about it. Not the same case with the black quarterbacks. So I have a list that I am going to ask Tage where he's from in a segment we like to call where he's from. I have a list of quarterbacks that I will ask Tage and we'll see if he knows to see if his theory is correct. Some of these quarterbacks are black. Some of these quarterbacks are white. Tage, are you ready for this episode of where he's from? Let's go. I'm ready. I'm ready. ready. All right. First one out the gate. We talked about him previously on the pod. Dwayne Haskins, where are you from? He's from, he was born in New Jersey, grew up in Maryland. I feel like you know too much about this stuff and you are going to ruin the game. All right. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Where are oh, you from? Fuck. Um, fucking Harvard. He's from Harvard. That's so, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea. <laughs> He's from Harvard. <laughs> And Fitzpatrick went to Harvard. I don't know if he can say that he's from Harvard. You ever met somebody but from Harvard? They're from Harvard. I, it don't matter. I, I assume it's like meeting someone from SAC. No, like, yeah, it don't matter. Like, I, I work with a dude from Harvard, uh, the IT manager at my old job. He's from Harvard. It don't, I don't know where he's from. He's from Harvard. So that just counts. All right. Joe Burrow or where as was, my mother. Where's Fitzpatrick from? Oh, I didn't even – Check to see where he was from. I just knew that he wasn't from Harvard. Let's see. Now I want to go. Fitzmagic is from, okay, upset. Gilbert, Arizona. I did not have that. Really? I didn't know. That's like a suburb of Phoenix. I did not have him from Gilbert, Arizona, but that's that's where we at with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Okay, next. Oh, yeah, I already said Joe Burrow, or as as my mom thought one day while she was walking past the screen, she thought his name was Burrows, and she asked me if that's another Bahamian I had to write about. She was like, who's this Burrows boy? And then she asked me if he was from Abaco. But okay, so... Long Island, that's where we're from. My mom asked if he was from Cousins, actually. Yeah, um... He's from Ohio. uh, He's from, uh... Because remember the highest speech you talked about how he did it for the poor white people from Ohio? Yeah, yeah. Joe Burrow, by the way, I don't know how much white people really want to see him be great because Joe Burrow is not afraid to say what he thinks and his views do not align with the average NFL fan that did not want to see Colin Kaepernick play. Oh yeah. Like he, he surprised me because uh, I heard the Heisman speech and then I heard the Black Lives Matter speech and I was like, oh, yeah, this is how you kick it up. Yeah. Joe Burrow was like, I am not afraid to be about saying this stuff. I don't care who my fans are. I'm saying this, but yes, that's you know where why? Joe Burrow is from. Where is he? He's from like near Cincinnati, right? Yeah, know. yeah. He's he's from the same place he's playing out. Same uh, LeBron type energy. Oh, cool. All right, who's next? Okay, Deshaun Watson. He's Where from he Atlanta. From? He's from Atlanta. You know, really knowing too much about where these players are from is ruining the game. All right, Ben Roethlisberger. Where he from? Oh, fuck. I think he's from Ohio. He's from like. Finley, Ohio. I don't mind. You know the towns. I don't know how I know that. He's from Lima. 
Lima, Ohio, but yes, definitely from Ohio. You know what it is? If you are a quarterback that went to a small school, the odds are that you just from that same state. Well, yeah, he went to Miami, Ohio. Yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of looking like with the – all right, I got to take Mahomes off this list because you already said how much you know about Mahomes. Oh, Tom Brady, where he from? From San Mateo. That's the south of San Francisco. Like, the only reason I know that is because I went with my cousin last year to a bowl place in San Mateo, which is near his house. <laughs> Russell Wilson, where he from? He from Richmond, Virginia. He is not. He is from Cincinnati, Ohio, which is kind of the same thing. Russell Wilson? Yeah, he's from, he from the Natty. He grew up I'm in actually, Richmond. I'm actually surprised at that. Well, born he went in to Cincinnati. High school. He went to high school in Richmond, Russell Wilson. Are we not counting? Are we not counting Bourne? Bourne is where he's from. Oh, fucking the nine. I got that wrong. Uh, no, we counted. He did grow up in Richmond. Yeah, he's more Virginia than he is Cincinnati. No, I was just trying to throw you off the sand. That's all. All right, Dak Prescott, where he from? He's from Mississippi, but, like, there are two parts of Mississippi, right? It's, like, the down south, like, kind of headed toward New Orleans part of Mississippi, and then there's the up north headed towards Memphis part of Mississippi, and he's from the down south headed towards New Orleans part of Mississippi. This is another this is another one of those born or grow up in no actually born there too. He's from Louisiana. Oh dang. Yeah. Got that wrong. Yeah, he's from Sulphur, Louisiana. But you did get deep south. So I think there's partial points for that. Matt Ryan, so, where are you from? I don't fucking know. Uh honestly. Uh is he from Boston? It seems like he should be. It seems like he could be because he went to Boston College. Matt Ryan. He went to Boston College. Like his name is Matt Ryan. He got to be from Boston, right? Exton, Pennsylvania. Really? Yeah, he grew. He grew up in Philly. Well, he went to school in Philly. He went to prep school in Philly. Wow. Like you think like a dude named Matt Ryan who went to that's like um like I feel like um Notre Dame they recruit dudes with like Irish sounding names because that's like the whole speed. Yeah, it makes sense. I feel like I feel like Boston College did that old thing. Like they do that too. Oh wow, that's like right by Philly. I didn't know that. I had no idea. Alright, I got I gotta see somebody that could I gotta find one that could stump you. I'm gonna go down this list one more time. That's too easy. That's too easy. That's too easy. That's too easy. Okay. Kyle Allen, where he from? He's from Texas, but I don't know where. He's probably from like the, like one of those Dallas like suburbs. Gotcha. Kyle Allen, Scottsdale, Arizona. He's from the Daily. Really? Yeah. really? He's, he went to AM and Houston. Scott Barcolata was talking to him a lot. Hey, talking about two's footwork. All right, so I'm going to go one more with your boy, your quarterback, Daniel Jones. Where are you from? Um, New Jersey? I have no idea where he's from. Charlotte, North Carolina. Really? Those dudes go to Duke? 
Hey, Danny Dimes, Duke Small Football School, in-state guy. Fuck Daniel Jones. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we learned many things on this podcast. We learned that the racist sports fan still will find a home in the NFL because the NFL is just too big to fail, so they're not going anywhere. We learned that ratings are down across the board in all sports and for anything that requires appointment viewing. And we also learned that Russell Wilson, born in Ohio, he's from the. I did not know that. I knew he. I knew he went to Richmond. I know he's. His brother went to Richmond. He played receiver. He graduated from high school in Richmond, and his sister graduated. No, his sister was in Richmond, transferred to Seattle for a senior, and then went to Stanford to play basketball. I was thinking, you know. You know way too much about this family. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Next episode, I think we should get into a debate that nobody else has ever talked about before. Jordan or LeBron. Oh, really? 